0: fistful of cash what is going on ladies and gentlemen you are tuned into the newest episode of the fistful of cash podcast i'm your host dale lippett and here with the co-hosts of all co-hosts soup what's going on man
1: uh, nothing much, just finished up watching the Penguins get their home opener win against the Capitals, uh, watching the Pats, they're up 24-3 at half, so pretty good Thursday as far as sports goes, um, as far as my fandom is concerned, but uh, I know we got a lot to get to, we've got UFC 229, we've got NFL, we've got college, so I'll keep it short, um, just happy to be here and ready to go.
0: I'm right there with you, man. It's been a doozy of a week. I cannot wait to just park it in front of the TV on Saturday night and just absolutely watch a bunch of high-quality punch face go down. UFC 229 will be on in every TV in my house, so that way I don't miss anything. We've got some big stuff planned tomorrow night, as you know, but I will probably have it playing on in the background while that's going on. All that to say reaffirm what you have already said. It's going to be a massive weekend. We've got a ton to cover. We normally dilly-dally around or pitter-patter, but we're not going to pitter-patter. We're just going to get at her. Let's uh let's start talking NFL football. What do you like? What don't you like this weekend?
1: Uh so the first game that I like this weekend is uh the Browns and Ravens. I like the over in this game. Um, the Ravens offense has looked really good. Uh I think they're 13 of their 14 possessions into the red zone have converted into touchdowns. I think the only one they didn't have was the the strip on the inch line that Alex Collins gave up last week against the Steelers. Um Baker Mayfield again is going to have the green light to just sling the rock around the field. Um they're coming off a 570-yard performance against the Raiders big loss in overtime but I know that I know the Ravens defense is way better than the Raiders defense but I expect the Ravens to get up to a big early lead and I can see just Baker tossing the ball around Nick Chubb getting some carries he's got the explosiveness to break off a big run like he did last week um this this offense is totally different with Baker in there rather than Tyrod Tyrod's more of a manage the clock Pick up, you know, pick up first downs, get to third and shorts. Baker on first down, he's going to come out and throw it forty yards down the field. Um, and the Ravens, like I said, their offense looks great. The Browns' defense has started out good, but has now looked piss poor the past two weeks. So, uh, yeah, I, I think the over. I think it's at forty-five. I think yeah. the over hits in this one.
0: I'll say one thing about the Browns, and you know, um, I've been pining for baker since he got in the league last week was a wake-up call for him when he you could see in his face he realized that he couldn't just sling the ball in hopes to get bailed out by decent receivers and half-assed dbs so he i think that he's going to come out and he's going to be a little bit he don't get me wrong he's going to be sling he, he will you can't take the gun slinger out of him but he's going to have to throw the ball 45
1: times if they want a chance at winning this game
0: right i just i looked for him to be a little bit more calculated in his throws than he was last week he was just i mean he's throwing into triple coverages and stuff like that and it doesn't matter who you're playing in the nfl maybe the Steelers secondary you you just can't do that you can't get away with it um it's going to catch up with you so yeah i like that i like that over um like you said the ravens look fantastic against the steelers i mean that that game could have easily been 28-3 going into halftime um so i think I, I feel pre- go ahead go ahead sorry no no go
1: ahead finish your finish your thought
0: go ahead um no <laughs> <laughs> it's a, uh, if uh, i like i just like their uh i like i like the 45 in this um you know the, the browns are going to put up at least 17 by themselves and you know, it's not – on the, the the Ravens will hang 30 on them just to, for the sake of winning. So I, I like I like that 45 – I think 45 is low for this game. I like the over on that too. I'm with you 100%. What was what your side note? Sorry.
1: So coming into the season, who would have thought through the first four weeks the Browns would have been part of arguably the most exciting game each week? So Brown steelers week one, you've got a tie because of two – terrible kicking games and just ridiculous, just what a series of events that was. Yeah. Uh, Week two against the Saints, uh, another just meltdown by the Browns. They had that game, and then, you know, the missed kick to send it into overtime. Uh, Week three, Baker hits the field, gets the comeback win against the Jets. And then last week, a, you know, was it, 87 point shootout with the Raiders in overtime. Yeah. So the I mean, yeah, obviously the Chiefs and the Rams are more appealing to the eye. But as far as competitive football games go, the Browns have been, you know, an arguably the most competitive game each week. And I mean, I would
0: never would have guessed that in a million years. Well, I mean, listen, it's 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 suitable. You know, from their name to where they're from, um, you know, the Cleveland Browns—they're fast, they're hot, and they're brown, just like all things in Cleveland. They stink, so it's just they're they're they're. they're, I was initially on board that they were going to win the the division, but yes, they're in exciting games, but they're uh, they're just they're like diarrhea. Man, they're fast and hot and brown. So, what else you like NFL wise?
1: The other game that I like uh this weekend is Denver Broncos against the Jets. Uh it's coming in at a pick 'em right now. For those of you who don't know what a pick 'em is, um there's no spread. So it's just an even it's a coin toss. Um they're coming in at a -110 or -115 maybe depending on what book you're looking at. Um I like the Broncos to get this win in New York. Uh They've had a tough schedule, I guess. Um, the Jets aren't good. I expect Denver played really, really well against Kansas City. Um, I'm talking to a buddy of mine who is, you know, a big Patrick Mahomes fan, and I don't blame him. You know, the guy's exciting, but for three quarters, Denver really contained Patrick Mahomes, and then they went into this prevent defense, up by ten thinking that they had this game, uh, you know, in the bag. And Mahomes was able to, you know, pick them apart, pick the zone apart, and get downfield and win the game. I think Denver's defense, just like the Jags' secondary did, will shut Sam Darnold down. Uh, Chris Harris is going to have himself a game. And I really, really, really enjoy the uh, running back tandem of Royce Freeman and Pa uh, and was it? And Lindsey, Um, so Lindsey's a little road runner, man. That guy goes 150% every single play. He's small. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He's got something to prove. He's not afraid to take a hit and Royce Freeman's really turning into a good running back. Um, he had a really nice touchdown run against the chiefs. I think case Keenum will do enough to, uh, enough not to lose this game, I guess. I like, um, you know, obviously Demaryius Thomas and Manny Sanders. But uh, Sutton, their rookie receiver at SMU, kid's a beast. He goes up and gets jump balls. I just think that they're – both defenses are good. I just think Denver's offense gives them the edge in this game, and I think Denver wins this game on the road.
0: I think so too. Um, Denver's looked better. I think they're meeting and exceeding expectations on the season. Um. yeah I'm with you I think I think this is the right call uh, I don't necessarily believe that it's a pick I feel like it should be a little bit more in Denver's favor but as you said I mean the game is pretty evenly matched I just think Denver will continue to exceed expectations and continue to play well so I, I I'm on board with that pick 100% too I like Denver so I know that like last week
1: we went we ran through some stuff like terms we use and stuff like that um, one thing here, um, for those of you who don't understand how spreads and lines are made, a rule of thumb, um, it's like an unspoken rule. It's not necessarily written down. As far as spreads go, um, you normally the home team normally gets about three points. So if this were held at a neutral site, we'd be looking at something closer to a Denver minus three, if this was Denver at home, we'd be looking at probably Denver minus five and a half, minus six. But since it's in New York and Denver has to cr- travel cross-country, that's where the pick 'em's coming from. Um, at least that's what I've always been told, and that's my understanding um, from speaking to you know uh, some connections I have in Las Vegas. Um, the 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 unwritten rule is the home team normally gets about three points.
0: And so just justifiably so too.
1: Yeah, that that's that helps to clarify your your thought on you know you think it should be Denver minus a few points at a neutral site it'd be
0: Denver minus three. Right. Well, it makes sense to me. Um, all right, let's let's continue on with some football real quick. Uh, college football. What do you like? What don't you like?
1: I'm gonna. This is the one that you were adamant on, and I, you know, I normally present the football picks and you present the, uh, the, the combat picks, but I'm going to let you go ahead and uh, throw this one out there. I'm going to let you, you know, your pick of the week. What is it?
0: My pick of the week is Georgia tech Louisville. I like Georgia tech coming in at minus four and a half. Um, Louisville has looked terrible. Georgia tech runs that triple, uh, that triple option and Louisville lets up a ton of yards on the ground. I think it's like 168 a game and i think the big story this game though is going to be takeaways uh georgia tech has had 11 one of which led to it was a pick six for a touchdown louisville only two takeaways on a year that's it so i feel like their defense will be a non-factor when it comes to this triple option and i think that once they get down and they start slinging the ball and trying to play catch up georgia tech's defense is going to be there to shut it down and uh you know limit those possessions the other thing about georgia tech too is they run uh they 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 eat clock so you know it's gonna be i like them i like them at the four and a half um you know for all of those reasons and just the eyeball test of louisville just not being very good this year uh i like i like georgia tech in this game you got anything to add yeah um
1: so like you said um, Georgia Tech's defense has come up with uh, eleven takeaways. Louisville is, I think, the third worst in college football with only with a, with a turnover margin um, of like point, point .12 or so. It's ridiculous. It's terrible. Um, they have Louisville's offense is dead last in the ACC, averaging just over three hundred yards per game. The uh, it's a lot you know i don't want to say it's all their offensive line's fault but man is it, you got to put some some fault on the offensive line um they they can't keep defenses out of the backfield to save their life and it's shutting their running game down which is forcing them to pass a lot and as we all know lamar jackson is no longer there their passing game is just as bad as their offensive line play um I don't think Georgia Tech's offense is going to need to score that many points. And the best, the best defense is an offense that controls the clock because you keep your defense off the field, you keep them fresh. So right. if the defense can force two or three turnovers and let that triple option eat away this clock, I think the time of possession is really going to tell the story, of this, uh, the story of this football game. <sighs> minus four and a half, I, I agree it's low. Um, I would think more of Georgia tech minus six and a half, something like that. Um, It's a home game on Friday night for Louisville, but Georgia tech's running game is going to be too strong. They've gone for over 320 yards or more against everybody except for Clemson, which you can't fault them for that. I mean, Clemson's front seven is one of the best in the country. Um, I think, georgia tech out of the 60 minute game will probably be on the field for about 40 of it and i think that's yeah. enough to get them the easy win i'm gonna say georgia tech 31 to 24
0: i like it I uh, it's a very generous 24 towards louisville too but I'm, i understand it's a home game for them so i mean the, to think that they're not going to put up at least a decent number would be ridiculous but uh, i feel like that's a generous but again i still you know we're in agreement with the Georgia Tech number. What else you like? Um, another
1: game that you and I both um, talked about earlier in the week, which it's actually the line is going in the opposite direction of what we thought it would. Um, they opened yeah. at a minus three. They're down to a minus one and a half now, and that's LSU at Florida. We like LSU money line in this game. Um, this is the same thing as the Oregon last week, the minus one and a half. We're just going to take the money line. Um, the 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 difference the minus one twenty five minus one ten not a big enough difference to risk LSU only winning this game by one. Um, I think LSU's offense might have turned a corner. Uh, Burrow looked good against Auburn. You know he threw for two hundred and fifty yards. He was really sharp against Ole Miss last week. Um, this Florida defense, you know, they're good. This is what Florida is known for year in and year out. Florida is known for a nasty defensive line and a good secondary that can, you know, lay the boom. That's one thing that Florida has year in and year out. They're third in the nation in turnover margin and fifth in takeaways. But LSU is also eighth in the country in turnover margin and leads the SEC in the fewest turnovers. They've only given the ball up three times this year. Um, LSU's defense is no joke either. I don't believe in the Gators' offense. I don't believe in, like, Felipe Franks or whoever they're going to start at quarterback, whatever they go with here. I don't believe in it. That's been Florida's biggest trouble ever since they lost Tim Tebow. I mean, they had Will Greer, and they couldn't even make Will Greer look good. And look what he's doing in West Virginia. The guy, you know, it's him and Haskins hunting, uh, hunting the hunting Heisman down. Um, I don't think... I don't think uh burrow is going to have to take many chances in this game. I think that they will be able to move the ball and it's going to be a low scoring affair, but the only reason we didn't go with the over under is because it is at 43. And that is, you know, that's super low for college. Yeah. Um, the last four times these guys have played, it's been a great game dev- decided by seven or, po- or seven points or less. Um, lsu money line i think it's the right play i think they're more consistent on offense um they both have good defenses this is just like the denver game i just think the offense is more consistent and i think it will win the game versus florida's offense going out and winning the game i'll say lsu 23 florida 20
0: i can get on board with that i can get on board with that i I like lsu in this game a lot for all the reasons that you said um Plus, it's just it's Coach O, so I mean it's it's really hard to root against Coach O. Yeah,
1: boy, he went from <laughs> he went from one of the hottest seats in the country to sitting on a block of ice.
0: Yeah, nobody expected I mean, LSU just... to
1: come out five and zero this
0: year, by any means. Oh, he's a hero right now, right? He he, he he's a hero in Baton Rouge. That's right. He's... <laughs> Coach O going to do the national championship. His his
1: sound clip <laughs> from last week, yeah, man, it was something along the lines of. Well, we 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 don't care who you are we going to come hit you and yeah. if that doesn't make you want to run through a brick wall i don't know what does you know cocho's voice his demeanor just everything about him it's hard not to like the guy um and like i said lsu at 5 and 0 i didn't see this coming i don't know if anybody in the country saw it coming except for cocho and i th- i think 6 and 0 is in their future
0: yeah, I mean, Coach o looks like the only toys he had growing up were spare tires, and he just sat out in the yard and che- yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> chewed him like a pit bull. That guy is wild, man. Uh, yeah, for sure. I might follow Coach o right off of a cliff, if need be. All right, so that's going to do it as far as free picks football-wise are concerned. Uh, we're going to have more football picks on our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash fistful of cash um we have seen a lot of traction there this last week it's been a it's been a big week the community continues to grow we're super thankful for all you guys we're also thankful for those of you that are sort of sitting on the fence that were sort of thinking about joining us you enjoyed a flawless weekend of football last weekend and you're still sitting on the fence we're hoping that this will be the weekend that tips you in the favor puts the scales on the side of you leaving that iTunes review, joining the Patreon page, you know, any of the stuff following us on social media, any of those things to help this community grow. Uh, that's what we're after. Like I said, in just about every episode, we want to be a community an army of betters that the bookmakers tremble whenever they see us coming. Uh, and if we keep putting up the numbers that we're putting up using, Real slips, no gimmicks, no false analytics, no stealing stuff from covers.com or anything like that. Real thought breakdown trends, all of that stuff. You know, I don't know, maybe just brain power, if you will. Uh, This community will continue to grow. And, you know, with your help and love and support, we're going to keep marching on and everything, you know, has been just met. And exceeded all of our expectations so far. So, with all that grandiose pomp and circumstance, I'm going to cut to before we get into our UFC 229 picks. We had a special guest touch base with the Fistful of Cash podcast. He's got some picks for tonight. He's got some great stories, got some absolute, just, you know, behind the scenes look at you know what what it's like to be a professional athlete what it's like to be uh an uh an athlete in the UFC just I can't tell you enough guys one of the coolest most down to earth guys I've ever met in my life um and I think you guys are really going to dig this interview so we're going to go ahead and we're going to cut to this and then after the interview we'll go over our UFC 229 picks so that being said without any further ado Going to go ahead and cut to the interview with the OG double champ. This guy was flyweight and bantamweight champ in Titan FC, which was absorbed by the UFC, was fighting on Fight Pass, had the flyweight and the bantamweight belt in that organization before anybody else in the UFC was champ champ. This guy was. All right, guys. Here's my interview with Jose Shorty Torres. Enjoy. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, I am joined now by the OG Champ Champ, the one, the only Jose Shorty Torres. What's going on, man? How are you? What's
2: up? What's up? I'm great, man. How about yourself?
0: I'm good, man. It's been a busy day. Uh dude, I'm so excited for this interview, man. I you know, I I try to pride myself in being like uh an MMA aficionado, if you will, and uh you know, you're somebody that's been on my radar for a long time, uh, and this is just—you know—I'm gonna not—I promised myself I wasn't gonna fanboy out, so this is me not fanboying out. I'm super pumped you're here. Uh, I just—I've got a million questions. So if you're—if you're game for a million questions, I've got a million to ask. <laughs> I
2: love the question game. Let's
0: shoot. Okay, so I mean, one thing that, that that's that's stood apart, uh, at least in. In my eyes, and where you put yourself apart from other fighters, is you had this super extensive amateur record when you probably realistically could have gone pro at almost any point. So, what was the what was the logic behind staying amateur for so long?
2: Yeah, there were a few reasons. Um, you know, immediately when I joined my team, Combat Doe, where I'm at Chicago, still Master Rob Shermer, He stated, "Hey man, you know we've had the likes of Sharni Carter here, Terry Martin, uh, and a few other guys." Um, great individuals, but they turned pro very early in their amateur career, and by the time they turned pro, they lost their you know uh, first few matches because they were big fish in a little pond. They maybe won five and zero as a professional in Chicago, but then again, it's a big fish in a little pond. You'd never find anybody in the midwest, never find anyone in Missouri and other states, even other countries, you know, to see if you were ready to go pro. And so it goes automatically. You're going twenty fights, so doesn't no matter if you're twenty zero, 20-0 you know, ten and ten, whatever the numbers are. And from there, you know, we wanted to travel as well. Be a big fish in every single pond, not just the one in Chicago. So we ended up doing that. But then I ended up getting a full ride to uh, go to Michigan University, which was the Division Two for wrestling and academics. So he's like, dude, you never know what, what's going to happen. You know, fighting, you might get hurt the next day and not be able to fight anymore. So get your get a career set, get your education, and uh, we're going to do that first. doesn't matter if you end up getting 30, 40, 50-plus fights get your education first. And so I ended up winning um, the national championships, you know, two times in a row, one world. And then, you know, I, I graduated the same day at one nationals, Like, you're going to Worlds. Go to Worlds one more time, do something that's different. And I ended up being the first ever two-time world champ. And from there, because of that, because of him, in a sense, holding me back for all good reasons. Because uh, I was very proud of I was that guy. That I want to go for I want to go pull my friend, this, that, whatever. Uh, he was that father figure, my coach, my mentor, that really uh, sat me down and go, Look at, look at you now. You know, yeah. you got Titan FC contracts, you got, you know, offers by many people, you had the UFC call you nine times before you finally got accepted into the <laughs> UFC, you know, so it was, uh, you, know, I, you know, I got offers from the UFC, offers from, you know, Bellator, offers uh, possible offers from 1FC, so it was it was a crazy thing that finally, you know, um, you know, because worked well with Titan, became a double-weight class champ, finally got to the UFC, and I'm at where I'm at today.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure, I mean, you're, well, you're reaping the benefits of it now, but, You know, there's um, countless stories of fighters out there that, you know, they walk into a gym, they're super talented, and people at the gym may not have their best interest at heart, and they get pushed too soon, and, you know, a career gets cut short, be it an injury or, you know, losses that they weren't ready to take or whatever, any, a myriad of reasons. Um, So, I mean, you know, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, but man, how fortunate to have a guy that comes in, sees your potential... And wants to, you know, move at the speed that allows you to develop both in character and skill. I mean, that's that's really fortunate and you know, kind of a rarity. So, I mean, that's, you know, hat, hats off to him. I mean, that that's that's fantastic. So yeah, he was uh, he,
2: he was like one of the very first Americans in the cage. By the time his career was dwindling down, MMA was starting to pick up, which you know, it's very fortunate for him because you know, back in the day, I mean, he was think 40 years old when he beat Carlson Gracie Jr. And Carlson Gracie Jr. was about 20 years old at the time. You know, so it, it, he was very, very talented. It's just, you know, sadly, he never got to, you know, do his, you know, show the world what he could really do, um, at least with popularity and all that stuff, because it just wasn't popular. You know, wasn't a mainstream sport yet, but it's all that stuff and seeing what he's been through with Johnny Carter, Terry Martin, all these guys coming up. It's, it's nice to know that I have a mentor that's literally been through it all. And, um, that's you know, a good thing for me. You know, fortunate enough right. that I, I am decently coachable, that I did listen, and I, I was like, oh, all right, fine, you know what, I'm young I'll, I'll take your advice. If it doesn't work out well, at least I have, obviously, uh, a few more years to, to
0: make up for. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that, that sticks out to me, um, especially about the way that you fight, you know, and we're, we'll, we'll touch on the, the, the two-weight class champion, but, you know, a fighter in the weight class, you know, I'll just go with UFC. I mean, you're fighting at flyweight right now. You have an incredibly high capacity to finish fights, and do so uh, pretty abruptly and quite violently. What, where does that finishing instinct and that finishing power come from? Is that something you've trained, or are you just born with? You know, thunder in your hands, or wh- where does that come from?
2: It's funny because out of my twenty six amateur MMA fights, and given I did Muay Thai kickboxing. I rarely finished. I was, in a sense, the GSP. You know, like, I would dominate people. I'd hold the guy and do certain things. I'd be the wrestler most of the time. But that was pretty much about it. Even if I was the stand-up fighter in a fight, it was landing ones and twos and just getting out. I mean, I probably, I think out of 26 fights, I only had six, or not even. I had, like, four TKOs and one actual knockout. So, you know, for me, getting these finishes, it's it's very, very different, but... I think something that, that's really grown into it is is I've been traveling and training and getting different perspectives and, and training with different coaches and really getting the best out of the best and trying to form it into, you know, my, my own little fighting style. And the best thing about it is that my confidence has risen after every single fight, even after my last loss. It's I know what I'm able to do with my hands. I'm able to know you know, I know what I can do on the ground and so many things. So it's it's honestly just confidence. You know, the, the first time I dropped someone was in the Czech Republic after I won the worlds. <laughs> you know, I was just like, "Oh, I could I could do that." That's oh, and, you know, you start getting a little more confident. And given there's, there's times where I, you know I got a little cognizant, like, all right, maybe next fight I should stop just going right hands or just stop just going nothing but power. But you know, eventually you start to create a little mold and mold into something special. And so far, you know, it's worked out really well for me, man. And it's, I mean, both with submissions and knockouts, it it really is a fun thing, obviously, to do. But I've noticed the less I've tried to get them, the more I've gotten them.
0: Right. Yeah. And, you know, a guy being in your position, being in those weight classes, if you have a high propensity to finish fights and, you know, do so with a little bit of flair and a little bit of style, especially in flyweight, I mean, it's really, you know, it's only a matter of time. I mean, you string together a couple wins against some quality opponents and, you know, you're in the upper echelon, especially now that Mighty Mouse has lost. I mean, how do you feel? I mean, this division is wide open now, right? I mean, how, how are you, how did you take that I mean, you saw him lose. I mean, first of all, did you think Cejudo won the fight? And, you know, how do you feel moving forward in, in that division without him reigning supreme at the top? Yeah, you know, I, I personally
2: don't think Cejudo won the fight. You know, yeah, he had plenty of takedowns. But, man, there was there was nothing to be done. You know, for me, I'm a person who wants to make an exciting fight for... To side of the fight, it was, it was boring. I mean, you look at DJ; he landed, he outlanded him every single round. You know, he just got taken down. So big, you're going to get taken down by a gold medals wrestler. But it, it's kind of like doing jiu-jitsu, You know, at Naga tournament and some wrestler wins the matches just because he's beat you by points. It's like, yeah, that's that's not really fair. This is jujitsu. You know, like anybody can take you down, but can you catch you off to do this? So, you know, the Cudo fight. You know, honestly, I and this is not being you know bashing him because I believe he is. The phenomenal person, you know, good thing for Latinos, you know, he's doing his thing and he's the champion now, it's awesome, but I honestly think he is going to be a kryptonite for many, many people. Again, look at Sergio Pettis. I thought Sergio Pettis could have knocked him out any time, but because Sergio was so timid because of how high of a caliber Cejudo was at wrestling, you, you know, you start to panic, you freak out, you worry about the takedown. Even with these high-level Jiu-Jitsu fighters that Cejudo saw, um... You know, people get nervous about it, and he's able to hold down such a strong position. You know, I, I'm not saying he's going to be like GSP, but he might be a dumbed down version of GSP where he takes a lot of guys down and just holds them down. Yeah, he got the Wilson Hayes knockout, but no offense to
3: Wilson Hayes, he's, he's already way past his prime. He's he's a guy that's you know on his on his last draw. If he loses one more fight, he's pretty much out. You know? yep. So it's one of those cases that yeah, he had
2: an awesome knockout against Wilson Hayes, but I mean, no no offense again, it's it's. Not hard to knock out a guy who's going to stand right in front of you, you know. So, you know, for for Cejudo, I think he's going to be champion for a very long time. But I, I thought the I thought the weight class was still much better with Demetrius Johnson,
0: even though he was such a dominant champion in every single form and stuff. Yeah i I personally scored the fight for Cejudo. I mean, the fact that I had money on it had a little bit to play with that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, let's put it this way: going into the fifth round, I had it even. And that, you know, that takedown that you're talking about, or the two takedowns, rather, in that fifth round, I think, I mean, obviously that was what sort of tipped the scales in the in the judge's eyes there. But I agree with you 100%. DJ 100% outlanded him. Um, you know, I, what was weird, to, I mean, obviously it was weird to everybody with that fight, was that that funky, weird rolled ankle thing at the very beginning. It was just a, I don't know, that, that was one of the more compelling flyweight fights that I think people have paid attention to in a long time short of your last fight uh you know when you you stepped up to take that fight you know there was a buzz i mean i'm sure you i mean you heard it i mean obviously you i mean you were in the fight so of course but i mean that was a that's a that was a big fight amongst two you know i guess you'd say top prospects in the flyweight division uh you know what what, what was your logic on taking a fight i mean cuz you took that on short notice am i right
2: yeah, you know, I took it on a 20-day notice, which is, you know, it, it honestly was two, two factors for it. You know, it was pride because, you know, my first fight in the UFC was a 90-day notice. I fought Jared Brooks. You know, technically there was the, oh, Jared Brooks knocked himself out. and Whatever the case may be, I, my hype train got derailed a little bit. It got thumbed down a little bit. I, I didn't like that. You know, I was like, okay, you know, I want to put on a full performance. And then I found that I wasn't going to fight until maybe October, November, And the next day, they call me, and they go, or excuse me, a couple days later, they call me, and they go, hey, you want to fight August Ford?" I go, man, I've denied the UFC so many times. I've been dying to get back in. It might not be as, you know, late as I wanted it to be to get a full training camp, but just 20 days, I know I can make the way. I've made it in nine days, you know, for this first fight, and I really want to show the fans what I can do. And, you know, sadly, it just, it wasn't, it it wasn't the thing I should have done, you know, given i Alex Perez performed a, an amazing game plan, and he did hurt me multiple times in that fight. I think he did a phenomenal job. But the fact was, I lost at my worst. I had, you know, two weight cuts in two months. I had 26 pounds and 28 pounds, almost, what, what is that, like 50, 52, 53 pounds, you know, so that, as a flyweight fighter, it, it killed me. And yeah. honestly, you know, and, and that sadly, I, I'm using it as like my little my little excuse, my little crutch, but I just wasn't there mentally, and you know it, it's crazy because even during the fight, you know I love the clinch, I love the Mexican style boxing, which I was so excited by Alex Perez because of that style. I got in there, you know, once he hit me a couple times, I'm like, all right, come on, let's do this. No, we're just gonna, no, we're just gonna take all the shots. Okay, all right, uh, and come and block it. Now we're just gonna run into that dude. Okay, he like my my body just wasn't willing to do anything. My mind was there, but nothing followed. So by the time the fight ended. Um, I knew it was an exciting fight, but I knew nothing about it. I didn't know I took 107 shots. I feel like I hit a lot, but I didn't know I took 107 shots. I didn't even know the the fight was over. I was like, oh, cool. round's over. All right, cool. I
3: (laughs) am just going to try to redeem myself. Second round, I'm like, oh,
2: the fight's over. Oh, all right.
3: Right. It's bad because I was so mentally out of it that even that week, my team wanted me to call out. They wanted me to back out of the fight, which...
2: I'm just too prideful. You know, I'm very extrinsically motivated. I want to entertain the fans. My family was already there and all these things that just weren't playing in my favor. I should have listened to my team and said, you know, hey, man, I, I just can't fight. I'm not feeling well. You know, whatever the case may be because I really wasn't. But I ended up taking the fight and, you know, my body and everything just didn't show up and I got beat up for it.
0: Well, that's what I wanted to, you know, first of all, I think taking the fight on short notice like you did. Anytime a, anytime a guy stay, you know, steps up and takes a fight on short notice – You know, I'd have to look at the trends, but I think it's like forty-five. I think it's forty-five percent of the time the short notice fighter loses. So anytime a a fighter shows up and takes a fight on short notice, I mean you're, you know, you're already sort of, from a statistical standpoint, you know, walking in almost with a hand tied behind your back. And then, you know, Alex Perez had a full camp to get ready, regardless of who was going to be across from him. And then, like you were saying with the weight cut, I mean you're a guy that. You know can fight and be successful at Bantamweight as well as Flyweight you know is Flyweight your home in the UFC or are you going to try to float between the two I mean what are you thinking
2: you know Flyweight is definitely my home and that's something I'm trying to you know really signify now is the bad thing is I'm a Flyweight fighter I knew I was going to get signed last minute I had multiple calls for just last minute like it never was they were never calling me for a contract and even now I go hey uh You know, Matt. can I I get a fight? May I get a two-month training camp? They go, oh, we'll we'll figure it out. Maybe you already fought two times in, you know, two months. We're trying to, obviously, like, uh, recycle the guys through. You're all the way in the back of the bench, and you'll slowly make your way up, which, hey, that's fine. Everyone deserves their turn. But I, I don't want to take a lesson. If I, I want a full-month training camp, you know, a full two-month training camp is not 12 weeks to show the world what I can do. What I did in Titan, I know I can do at UFC. I obviously have to have that full training camp to prove it. But my big thing right now is, is my weight. You know, I weigh 155 naturally. Right. Even though I don't, I, I'm only 5'4", I'm i I'm a heavy flyweight.
3: You know, I'm just naturally thick. I got those Mexican genetics. I eat one tortilla. Everything just, you know, blows <laughs> up. So... You know, for me, I'm still trying to figure out the science of how to
2: manage my weight and create a different lifestyle instead of, you know, creating a training camp, working extremely hard to get this weight down, and then by the time I get to the fight, you know, the same thing happens in my last one. I'm just not mentally there. You know, for for me, mainly in wrestling, I do have PTSD with wrestling back in college because I there's a huge, huge long story of my weight cuts and stuff like that. But I was more let me rephrase that I was a 100 focused on making weight because that's how hard the weight cuts. Out were for me, I didn't have a nutritionist like I have now, so it was 100% focused on the weight, by the time wrestling came, I was like, oh yeah, damn, I gotta wrestle, I forgot about that, and I just didn't care about the match, I, I was like, you know what, I'm not gonna get pinned, I'm gonna save you three points, but that, that's all I can do, sorry guys, you know, like, I was just that upset because of the weight cut, just, you know, and people who who do MMA and wrestling and all that stuff, who, you know, end up doing all these uh, extreme weight losses it does meant, you know, mentally mess you up. You just don't want to do anything anymore. You're like, why am I even doing this? I hate the sport. <laughs> you know? right. So it's, uh, for me, I'm 100% right now trying to focus on my weight. You know, I'm in Colorado, I'm in Denver, Colorado right now, I'm training with Team Elevations, Wayne Ludwig, Trevor Whitman, and doing so many things to you know, really prepare myself for you know, the, the the next possible fight. And I'm really obviously trying to prove a point again. I'm trying to bring that hype train, you know, put it back on the tracks and just keep on pushing forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I saw you. I saw your post on Instagram with uh, you and Gaethje standing there. And you know, I understand training room. You know what what happens there stays there. But I mean, obviously, if you two are sparring, I mean, is is that guy's power as real as he made it look on James Vick? I mean, because that, <laughs> you, know, it, you know, my man melted James Vick, and you standing in there banging with with Justin Gaethje. I mean that that should put you know those that follow you on social media uh, should stand at attention and realize what it's going to take. Uh, if you're willing to stand with that guy and go to war, what it's going to take, you know, it, it, whenever they're standing across the octagon from you. I mean, hats off to you. That guy's a bona fide killer. Oh, yeah. I mean, the fun the fun thing about Justin Gaethje is, and I, as I did say in
2: like, my post-fight interview after my first fight, is I am a small Justin Gaethje who's with division. I mean, his, you know, our style is literally to walk forward. We're counter fighters who push forward. And then when we see to start to break, that's when we go in and attack and do our thing. And that's where we, you know, thrive best later on in the fight. But, you know, we take a lot more shots than possibly we should. But, I mean, we, you've seen both of us fight. We take plenty of shots and we can take them and give them definitely back. But, you know, it, in sparring. You know, he's a lot bigger than me. He knows, obviously, to take it a little easier on me with the punches and combinations. But, or uh, well at least the power of it. But he was, you know, he was cracking me a couple. And I was man, I can just imagine how hard this guy <laughs> hits going 100%. He's probably hitting me. If I'm lucky, seventy percent, you know, at, at most. Right. But him and I were going back and forth, which is hilarious because
0: people started to film it. Oh, jeez. Like, Dude, this is this is just like
2: a like a phone booth type of fight. It literally looked like we were just on one line. One guy would walk back getting hit, and then five seconds later, after the combination was over, the other guy was walking back attacking, and it literally just kept going back and forth like you know tug of rope. It was just pretty much just back and forth battle. And it, it, obviously, it was a fun thing for me because. My big thing is I need to work on movement. When I have somebody who can mimic myself, I to do better than me because he's much bigger than I am. I have no choice but to move and change myself a little bit, adapt more speed. So it changed a lot of things for me. And then for him, he's a bigger guy. You know, yeah, he has the power, but I had to implement the speed, so he has to catch up to me and you know make his timing that much better to catch around a couple of shots
0: have you like, have you officially moved camp out there now? I mean, are you going to be training like almost full time at team elevation or, or, how's how's that working? Are you just out there just to, you know, get some rounds in and learn or how's that working out? You know, for me, I'm, I'm a
2: guy that loves to gym hop. You know, I, I, just came from ATT. I'm back at Team Elevation, which I was here sometime last year with TJ. Uh, before he moved to the Training Lab in Anaheim, California, you know, I'm, I'm a guy that loves the gym, hop and get different experiences and go with so many different guys. Because again, I'm not, I'm not prideful. I mean, I sparred with Sergio Pettis before. You know, me, me and him used to go rounds, over rounds, over rounds, and that's it. You know, there's no, there's no animosity. We we'll go, oh cool, we'll fight each other one day. That's cool, pay he heads off. Whoever of wins, you know, buy drinks, buy food after. It doesn't, you know, we don't. For me, I don't care. A lot of guys are very prideful and don't want to even support each other because they don't want to give out hints, or whatever the case may be. But for me, I love the gym hop. I love to get the best out of these coaches and mold uh, the shorty, you know, that that's going to be the best that he can be. You know, so I'm, I'm trying to do what I can do to the best of my ability. But you know, we'll see what happens. For me, I'm here. I know I want to go back to ATP. They just have so many bodies. I mean, the, the amount of bodies American Top Team has is is ridiculous. That every single weight class, which is Extremely hard to find for both heavyweights and flyweights, and maybe in the flyweight, it's like you know the holy grail for you know for sparring partners. So I definitely want to go back there, you know, for my next camp. But you know, for me, I am you know going around, and I do want to split camps and you know just figure it out. You know, right now it's it's a learning process to get back to. If I'm not going to fight until early next year, that's like January, February, March, or even April. So I have plenty of time to, to find my craft and really show the world that. You know, it doesn't matter
0: what team I go to, the best shorty is going to come out. I can dig that 100%. All right, now, you said something about Sergio Pettis, and, of course, this is a betting podcast, so I've got to touch on some of this stuff. Um, first, I guess first and foremost, I want to ask, do fighters pay any attention to betting lines or whether or not their favorites or underdogs going into fights? Um, I mean, it's, it's funny because I'm, when I first
2: started, you know, obviously because I was fighting guys around my level, still pro debut, and then the next fight was 16 pro fights and so on. I started off merely as a favorite, and then you know people would tell me like, "Oh, dude, do a favorite for the fight." And I'm like, "Oh, yes, that's that's different. I'm never usually a favorite, but cool." And then <laughs> as I started to get later in my career, I was the underdog, but then I became the dominant champion. And could even going to the UFC, I was. I think my first fight with Jared, I was the favorite, which was hilarious because uh, again, 90 notice so like, oh, you're immediately favorite. We don't care if you have 26 combat cards; you're, you're the favorite. You're gonna win. So, in right. um, the last fight, I was the underdog. For me, I try best not to pay attention to it. I mean, regardless of the fact I and I'm actually making a YouTube video about it today. I love being the underdog. It's there's a no lose scenario being the underdog compared to being the favorite. You know, if you're the favorite, people expect you to win. But what happens when you lose compared to? If you're the underdog and you lose, who cares? People expect it anyway. you gave it your all, you tried your best, and hopefully you got more fans because of it. But if you won, it's, it's a huge spectacle. It's kind of like wearing pajamas every single day to work. But I don't know or one day you wear jeans, people you were like, Are you going on
3: a date? Are you going out? Dude, <laughs> right. you're looking good. You know, it's, it's different. So that, that, that was actually me
2: in college. But, you know, for me, it's, it's, I try my best not to focus on that because regardless of the fact, no matter what, something can always happen in there, whether I'm the, the favorite or underdog. But when it comes to the, the, and I feel like you're slowly getting into the so Sergio
0: Pettis vs. Formiga fight. That's it. That fight is an extremely extremely close
2: fight. I I think that whole card is pretty much kickboxers versus grapplers, which is hilarious. Yeah. I mean, you look at Tony Ferguson Pettis, you look at Conor Khabib, you look at you know Sergio Pettis Formiga, um, and I think the list goes on and on. But for me. I, I'm gonna go on the side of the grapplers just because you look at. It, and I, I love Sergio Pettis death, but Josie Formiga is also a teammate. So I'm biased of both. When I look at it from an um, analytical point of view, Josie Formiga has knockout power. He did knock out or drop, then win last one, and was able to tap him out and, like, like that, no problem. And I've rolled with Josie Formiga. That guy is a leech. Once he has you down, it's almost almost impossible to get up. <laughs> you finally do get up, they're extremely tired. But Sergio Perez does have knockout I wouldn't say he has knockout power. He does have the combination. He does have the movement. But you look at his last fight with Cejudo, he was extremely timid because he was facing that good of a wrestler. You didn't see the usual, or excuse me, the fight before that. You didn't see the usual Sergio Perez open up. But then you look at the Benavides fight. Yeah, he was able to crack Benavides a couple of times and, and do his thing. But that fight was so close because Benavides was. The wrestler, the grappler, stuff like that. I think you'll see Formiga is easily one of the best Brazilian to do grapplers in the flyweight division. I know that from experience. That guy is ridiculous. I I can see him winning this fight by by you know any type of submission because Formiga is just that. I mean, his takedown game is it, it is ridiculous. He, I have no clue how he takes it down. It actually makes me really really mad. <laughs> but he, he does the thing. I'm going to give it for Formiga, but you know, Sergio Pettis again. He's He's slowly, he's not even in his prime yet. You know, just like myself, we're both young athletes. We're still getting to that. So he's he's a growing, you know, he's a growing athlete. But regardless of who wins or loses this fight, people are going to want to see
0: him fight again. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm actually going with Formiga on this fight. Um, and that's mostly because I'm picking Anthony Pettis to win against uh, Tony Ferguson. And normally, when the Pettis brothers fight on the same card, it's either one win, one lose, or both lose. So if I'm picking one to win, I got to pick the other one to lose is sort of the way, <laughs> sort of my logic behind it. Not that that's the most scientific breakdown the world's ever heard. But, uh, you know, I, I think that Formiga's slept on, uh, you know, amongst casual fans as being a real contender at flyweight. Uh, you know, it 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 makes my heart, you know, uh, smile a little bit here. And you say that you, you think he's got a, a, a good chance at this fight because I, that's exactly who I'm rolling with as far as my pick goes for that fight. Um I don't want to put you in a tough spot, you know. And You, you hate to talk about another man's job here, but Conor Khabib. Care, don't care, keys to victory, anything like that you want to touch on? You know,
2: I, I, it's, it's a fight everyone wants to watch. I I love Khabib to death, and I say that only because he was part of my team when I turned pro-KHKMMA, which was a team in the kingdom of Bahrain in the Middle East, and Khabib was one of the main reasons I got my dynasty contract. We did this big, big uh, practice. How many people know about this? We did this big practice, and I was rolling with Islam Makachev and you know, the base barn and doing all these things. And Khabib just wanted to keep on rolling. I was like, Yeah, yeah sure, I don't care. I'll, I'll go with you and him, and I were going back and forth, having a lot of fun. Given he's being nice to me because he is so much bigger. And we're, we're having a lot of fun, and the Mexican man, the COO of Titan he was like, Who the hell is this kid? Like, and then he, you know, looked me up, and I was able to spar with Alex Soto, UFC veteran. And I did really well. He's like, "Do you want a full fight contract?" You know, so Khabib was one of the reasons why I got signed. But just training with him personally, given I've never trained with Conor McGregor, but Khabib, once he gets you down, that's it. I mean, it, it is extremely hard to get up. And I mean, we've seen from Barboza, we've seen from uh, Michael Johnson, and, and so many guys. Once you're down, you're getting mauled. Whether you make it to the next round or not, you're getting demasculated. So it's the fact of now you're facing Conor McGregor, who knows how to move, who knows how to, you know, immediately get up when he's taken down. The only problem is, can you take his shot and keep pushing him to a different pace to where now he's getting exhausted after the second, after the third, because Conor McGregor is known for Having somewhat of a conditioning problem, mainly compared to Khabib that literally worked and worked and worked in all five rounds and talking to Dana White while he's beating you up. Right. So, so it's the fact can, can Khabib take a shot without getting punched that many times or without getting hit that clean? And if he does take a shot in the face, can he take it and still keep pushing forward? I think Conor McGregor does have the upper hand in this one because he's such a dominant stand-up fighter, and again, he is
3: smooth. He knows how to move. He does how to fake and make you flinch and do so many things. But man, Khabib's just a whole different animal. And I'm, I'm 100%
2: going with Khabib on this one. Given I am, I am a little biased, but even the mental warfare, I don't think it's affected
0: Khabib at all. No, I don't I mean, think so either. You look, at,
2: you, you look at Khabib's upbringing; like he grew up a military upbringing, grew up you know, around some really terrible people. You know, so he's mentally he is wrong as hell. <laughs> you know, so I just don't, I don't see Khabib breaking whatsoever mentally, whatever the case may be, but, you know, Conor does have a, a, a you know, like anyone, a knockout chance, but has never been knocked out. He's been, you know, days, I think he's been dropped a couple times, but he's never been knocked out. Can Conor do that? That's, that's what I'm excited to see
0: this Saturday. Yeah, I mean, what makes me nervous about this fight is the first three minutes, um, because in the first three minutes of the Michael Johnson fight, uh, Khabib was... He was like a little bit successful with the stand-up, but not too successful. And Johnson was landing a little bit. I think that Connor's timing and accuracy is a lot better than Michael Johnson's. And I'm afraid that in that first three minutes, that's when Khabib's going to be at his most vulnerable is that first initial. Can I get close enough to you to lock you up? Cause I'm with you. I agree that once Khabib gets him down, it, I mean, I, that's general public consensus is that if Khabib gets you down, it's over with, but Connor's got such great pay, Like he's got such great spatial awareness and timing and, you know, one of the, I mean, besides having an absolute cannon in his left hand, I think that the fact that his accuracy is so on point, I mean, it's almost like uh vintage Anderson Silva. He hits you exactly where he needs to, to make that light switch turn off. And, um, you know, that, the the combination that sticks out with me with Connor is the one that he finished Eddie Alvarez with. I mean, Eddie Alvarez was falling down and was continuing to get pieced up as he was falling you know the reaction time that that takes from somebody to hit somebody like that as they're falling, you know that was, it's just it's uncanny. And I think that Connor's at his most dangerous maybe the first two and a half, three minutes. If can be, if Khabib can get past that, I think it's, I think it's got a clear path to victory. But that first three minutes, man, that makes me really nervous. Yeah, I and mean, honestly, you
3: know, I've I've gone with Khabib. And then it, it was it was funny, and I saw an inside story. I was going to be, he
2: got the top crucifix sticks, because I, I just couldn't, you yeah, know, I couldn't escape. And for three minutes, while getting my head punched, you know, from the from the ground to his mitt, from the ground to his mitt back and forth, I'm like, to look to the box, and I'm going, damn, there's three minutes left. Khabib, come on, man, just let me in this practice, please. <laughs> and so I, I, I struggled, you know, for the rest of the round. I, I just got beat up, and by the time the round was over, I was exhausted, you know, he took me down, I think after the first two minutes, and after that three minutes, I was just down. I one hundred percent couldn't get up. I was hoping there would be some space, but I couldn't. Then you know, I took the break, and Alex Soto goes in there, and immediately same thing happens. He's getting you know taken down. He's getting beat up, top crucifix. I look at Pete Williams, who was the coach at the time, and I go, "Did I look like that?" He goes, "No, this is this is so much worse." And I go, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like you know, because Alex Soto was a little
0: bigger, so he's like, "Oh, I get to go a little harder on him." Right? And I
2: was like, "Man, I get." It's just you know this is way before Michael Johnson and all stuff. So I was like, man, I can just imagine what he's going to do to like some of these guys in UFC. And I mean, seeing what he does now, I mean, mainly when he went against uh, Barboza, I was like, somebody please throw in the towel because this is—it's just not going to stop. Like Barboza
0: is yeah.
3: tough
2: as heck, but it's just—it's not beneficial.
3: You
0: know, so Yeah, he wasn't learning anything, getting punched in the face that much. They could have easily stopped that fight at any time. I mean, nobody was, you know, in doubt as to how that fight was gonna go. There was no there was no yeah. last minute Hail Mary kick gonna gonna stop that beatdown. Yeah,
2: and I mean again, Khabib can take a shot, taking a shot from Michael Jocks, taking a city back heel kick from Barboza, give it that in a land completely flushed, but it still landed, you know, so it's he's taking some ultimately phenomenal shots and still push forward. Can Connors knock him out? That's going to be the ultimate question, the thing that everyone's going to be wondering on Saturday. But I, one hundred percent, I 100% is going to win this fight. Mainly, it's you know my game plan would be, you know, ankle shot. You know, just keep on shooting to the ankle, take out his hands, take out his you know wide kicks. Just do what you did against uh, Ally quinto Just shoot to the ankle, take him down. Shoot to the ankle, take him down. Shoot to the ankle, take him down, and take away his dominant stand up. But you know, we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm not going to do.
0: I like. I, I you know what I've. I... I've been on the fence but I feel like you're pushing me uh in the right direction here. Uh so I want to be I want to I, so. I want to be respectful of your time. Um so I got I got two two questions for you. Um last question is like I said from a betting standpoint, if somebody's going to bet a shorty torres fight, should they bet decision, knockout, submission? That's a hard one. <laughs> you know,
2: I haven't gone to the decision in a while. Um And the last time I went decision, I believe, was when I won the 35-pound championship. And I ended up having a broken hand and torn MPL in the first round. So I gave myself a little bit of an excuse for that one. right? But it was, and I ended up dominating the rest of the fight. Um, For me, I'm going to have to go a knockout, man. I'm one of those Mexican-style fighters that... Love to push forward. I, I always feel a Mexican South, you know, fighter that likes to push forward, but I have the Puerto South to pull Rican out that go with it, you know. So for me, I, I want to knock people out. I the flyweight division needs excitement, and I believe I'm there to bring that. That's why I was so, you know, enthusiastic about getting signed to the UFC. So I'm like, guys, I, I know I can bring this. Come on, sign me, sign me, sign me. And with Demetrius Johnson as a champion, because he's so dominant, it makes the division look boring, you know. So. You know, for me, dude, I I have to tell everyone, if they are going to bet I'm you have to bet Naka. I can't say what round. I'm obviously going for the first, if, if possible, you know, for longevity in my career. But, you
3: know, for me, I just, I go in there having fun. And if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, I'm hoping that you still enjoyed the show and it's respectable. Like, for example, my last
2: fight, whether or not I won, Long's wasn't mentally there, whatever the case may be, people enjoyed the fight. And now they know a little bit more about both Alex Pres and myself. So I'm excited to just get back in there and you know, see what happens next
0: yeah i mean absolutely so i you you said it before but i just wanted to confirm you don't have another fight scheduled as of right now correct besides fighting myself and life every day i do not have another fight okay. <laughs> fair, fair enough fair enough all right last question this is it anybody that wants to get in touch with you as far as you know social media anything any causes you're supporting, anything like that what's the best way to follow along with what you're doing
2: yeah, so there are a couple of things right now. Instagram, Jose Shorty Torres. Uh, Twitter, Shorty Torres 125. Facebook, Jose Shorty Torres. The quotations around Shorty, that's my fan page. Also, TeamShorty.com. You can email me through there or Instagram as well. And TeamShorty.com, 20% uh, out of all the earnings out of my website goes to kids in my gym so they can travel, train and I do little fellowship stuff at my school. If, you know, kids want to go to wrestling tournaments, I'm not going to be able to, you know, tell them no. They have to do little jobs for me, you know, work for the community and then there you go. If you have money, go to your wrestling tournament in Iowa. Do this, do that. So, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to do different things. Eventually, I want to, you know, create my own, um, you know, small non-profit, you know, organization to help, you know, the kids in my neighborhood just like uh, Brian Ortega's doing or and McFarland, and so many people. I just don't have the name for the popularity extremely yet. But soon enough, but right now, actually, the big thing, uh, is Curtis Blade and I, because Curtis is doing his, um, uh, what is he doing, a main event in Beijing, China, and I'm also in UFC as well, we're you in a sense short, he's coming out of the Chicago neighborhood, we actually made a collaborative t-shirt together, which are on both our Instagrams right now, um, only 100 are being made, they're all pre-ordered, so you can pick whatever size you want to get, and once they're gone, they're gone, so I'm just excited to do something like that, and, uh, it, it's, it's
0: definitely a blast. Awesome, uh, listen, I appreciate your time, I know I've, you know, been overly appreciative via text message and everything else, man. But I really do enjoy. Uh, I really do enjoy you as a fighter. Getting to know you, talking to you. I mean, it's it's hard to root against you as, as a person either, man. I mean, I'm just I'm so pumped you're in the UFC finally. I've been following you forever. Uh, you know, like I said, fanboy out here for a second. Super pumped that you're in the UFC, and super grateful you took the time to be on the show.
3: Well, I appreciate it, man. Anytime, and actually, one of the biggest things I'm doing right now, and something I
2: do, I do want to shout out, and I forgot to shout out earlier, was I had my own YouTube series called Inside Team Shorty. Uh, the link is usually in my bio on Instagram and what I do so far. I've had five episodes out. I really try my best to talk about the mental game. You know, stuff behind the scenes, the truth, the reality, and the behind the scenes of everything. I've been made people that... Just don't see everyone like, for example, my first video was the truth about MMA. Hey, everyone wants to be a Conor McGregor. They want to do MMA and believe they're going to be a Conor McGregor. And that's, I mean, that's awesome. I never said you can't be, but do you know where he started? Do you know where you know what it took him to get up there? And I give different examples of different fighters, you know, with the struggle of coming up, and then examples of myself and what it should have put a opportunity. So you know, if people want to follow it, inside Team shortly subscribe, like, and I really appreciate all the love
0: and support. Awesome. Well, hey, man, it, it, this has been, like I said, this has been fantastic and uh, we'll, we'll talk soon. For sure. I can't wait. All right. Thanks. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Jose Shorty Torres. Like I said, we had a good time. Um, he did call in. We, you know, uh, if the audio was a little wonky there on, on some parts, hopefully you're able to switch to headphones uh, or, you know, we're, we're able to adjust accordingly. We did the best we could with the audio that we had. So hopefully you guys got to enjoy that um that being said you had his picks for the fights coming up uh what will be saturday night so you know we want to take this opportunity and just sort of dive into that and you know soup if you if you're all right i'm just gonna start rattling these off and we'll just we'll do a little back and forth here see what you think what you what you like what you don't like um all right so I'm not sure how you feel about the Michelle Watterson, Felice Herrig fight, but with that being on the main card, I want to touch on that real quick. Uh, I, I'm i a big Michelle Watterson fan. I like her a lot, but Felice Herrig is the type of fighter that gives her fits. She's pressure. She's wrestle heavy. And Felice Herrig's looked really good lately. Um, you know, her, she seems to be a fighter that struggles a lot of times with um, the mental aspect of the game, which then affects her physical aspect, but she uh, at least appears in the last couple fights to have really gotten that under control. And, you know, Watterson's, you know, back and forth. She's got her own gym set up now that she's training at. She's going to back and forth from Jackson Wink. She's got her own thing going on. Usually, fighters that are in this transition. This training transition where they're trying something completely new, I tend to stay away from because it, it you know it can only be one of two things: either it's the best thing that ever happened to them or it's the worst thing, and it's just not worth taking the risk. So I like Felice Harrigan this fight. She's coming in as the favorite. Um, she's coming in only though at a, at a minus one twenty. You know, Michelle Watterson, you know, coming back at her at plus one hundred. So it's not that big of a uh, I guess you would say, it's not that big of a difference as far as Vegas is concerned. What is striking though about this is the over under two and a half in the round department. The over two and a half, so going basically essentially going to decision, they have it at minus four ninety, where the under is coming in. At three, uh, plus three sixty-five. Michelle Watterson has been finished before. Same thing with Felice Herrick. This fight could actually get stopped. Um, you know, Michelle Watterson has known to, you know, have bloody noses. Uh, you know, she, I, I don't, I'm not sure. Tr- this is not meant to be sexist. The, the, a lot of times in a, in a female fight, when there's a lot of blood, a referee is more inclined to step in and stop it sooner. For whatever reason. Um, but Michelle Watterson has been finished before. She's finished by Wrestle Heavy Fighters. I like Felice Herrig in this fight. Any thoughts? So
1: here's my question. Um do you think I, I know that you know Watterson's undersized here. Do you think that Waterson can get Herrig on the ground on the mat and exploit her ground skills?
0: Maybe, you know, I, listen, it's not to take anything away from Michelle Watterson. I mean, she's a world champion in, in other organizations. Um, and this fights at 125 pounds, which I think is the great, the, the, the best weight class for both of these women. Um, you know, I guess you, uh, you know, whatever logic you want to use here, you know, my heart says Watterson, my head says Herrig. Um, I just, that Herrig's the type of fighter that gives Michelle Waterson fits if if she can't keep her distance she can't utilize kicks she can't get you know she can't clinch and fight dirty I don't see where she wins this fight I see you know they call Felice Herrig the bulldog for a reason she's just gonna wrap her up and try to take her down and just GSP style grind her out um I I just don't see you know I see how Michelle Waterson wins she stays she keeps the fight standing and you know She uses her jab, she uses her range, she uses her kicks, and she, you know, pieces up Herrig, frustrates her, and then eventually catches her. That's how she wins the fight. But with the form that Felice Herrick has shown as of late, I just don't see it happening. So, and I think Vegas, you know, sort of sees the same thing. That's why they're giving her the nod as the favorite here. Okay. All right. So. But after that, I mean, we literally go from opposite ends of the spectrum. So you go from 125-pound women to 265-pound men. You got Derek the Black Beast Lewis against Alexander Volkov. You got anything for this one?
1: I mean, I think I know where you're going to go with this one based off, I know, your personal opinion between these two fighters. Um, But – and go ahead. I just want – I'll see where you go, and then I'll I'll give you a counterpoint if –
0: If you go where I think you are. I'll tell you right now, Derek Lewis did not train for a three-round fight. He did not train for a three-round fight. He does not want a three-round fight. After the uh, Francis Ngannou fight, he's going to come out, and he's going to try to reestablish himself as the Black Beast. And in doing that, he's going to come out hyper-aggressive. I don't see – first of all, I don't see this fight going past two rounds. Um, or two and a half rounds, rather. Let me, let me rephrase that. This fight will hit the under of the two and a half. That's coming in at minus 125. I like that play. I like that play in the sense that either Lewis will gas himself unsuccessfully or he's going to snuff out Volkov real quick. Um, Volkov can be hit, but he is long. He's rangy. He's got that sinewy, you know, just... It looks like a guy that every, you know, his elbows are sharp. He just doesn't like, I don't know, he looks like a grim reaper, if you will. This Ivan Drago looking, I don't know, he's just, I, he creeps me out. But he's also a very talented fighter. And he comes out there, and if he can use that jab and frustrate Lewis, the one thing about Derek Lewis is Derek Lewis is a lot like Cowboy Cerrone in the sense that if you can frustrate him early, he'll shut it down. He'll put that thing on autopilot at 35 miles an hour and just wait for everything to be done. So Volkov can go out there and frustrate him. I absolutely think that he can get Derek Lewis out of there just basically from, you know, mental submission, if you will. Because I don't think that Lewis has the fortitude to keep that thing moving forward if he gets frustrated. That being said, Derek Lewis did not train for three rounds for this fight. I think he's going to come out there. He's going to look, as long as his back, it. Uh, Again, with the back issues with Derrick Lewis, as long as his back holds up and he's not, you know, hiding a back injury like he was with the Ngannou fight, I think that he's going to come out there, he's going to just a whirling black dervish and get Volkov out of there in under two and a half rounds. So I like the under two and a half and I like Derrick Lewis coming in as the underdog at plus 145.
1: So what's, I mean, if you ha- you make one play on this, are you going Derek Lewis or are you going under two and a half? I'm
0: okay, going under two and a half. My
1: pick was Alexander Volkov by knockout under two and a half. So under two and a half is our play. Um, I thought you were yep. going to go with Derek Lewis, and then I was going to ask you, you know, Derek Lewis's big advantages in most of his fights are his height, his power, and his reach. And I think that he might be bettered in at least two of those three, if not all three, by Volkov. Uh, the power is, you know, in the eye of the beholder, but definitely height and reach Volkov, Volkov has him there. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you in the under two and a half. I think Derek Lewis has a point to prove after that just piss poor performance that him and Ngannou uh, put on. So, yeah, I, I think he comes yeah. out, like you said, like j- guns blazing. Um, he's either going to catch Volkov and put him to sleep, or he's going to be so... Out of control, wild, trying to put on a performance that Volkov is going to use his reach and slip one in and drop the Black Beast like the 285 you know,
0: pounds that he really is. Yeah, here's two. Here's two things. To, here's two points to make on that. One, I think Derek Lewis hasn't beat in raw power, but I think that Volkov, as far as technical power that translates through accuracy, he has he has Derek Lewis beat. Now, if I've got a burning car on top of me, I want Derek Lewis to try to pick it up before I want Alexander Volkov yeah. to try to pick it up. If I'm laying on the ground semi-unconscious, I don't want Derek Lewis punching me in the face. I want Alexander Volkov punching me in the face. But if we're standing there at distance and I'm, you know, I'm actively and engagingly fighting back, I don't want uh Alexander Volkov across from me because he's gonna fire straight punches down the line and hit you exactly where he needs to hit you to inflict the most damage don't forget this is my second point here is that volkov is super sneaky good on the ground really good it would not be it would not surprise me if he's able to you know get a a a leg sweep a little inside leg sweep or even go for like a high single dump derrick lewis on the ground get his back and choke him out uh all the same, I think that's going to happen in under two and a half rounds, and that's why that's my play for this fight. Okay. All right. Next fight we got is a light heavyweight matchup between Dominic Reyes and OSP, Ovin Saint-Poo. Um, sorry, that was really mean. Um, I like Reyes in this fight. Uh, he's got a lot of height behind him. You know, he doesn't have the necessarily the the UFC's hype machine behind him but Dom Reyes is no joke and he's actually a pretty fit, he's a pretty heavy favorite in this fight at coming in at -235 and I I like him in this fight obviously with OSP you got to worry about he does have one punch knockout power and he does love throwing that left high kick I mean he has slept many a dude in the UFC with that left high kick uh, but he has cardio issues his boxing is not good And Dominic Reyes excels at both of those. He's got crisp hands. He's got good lungs. Um, The line coming in at this one is Reyes minus 235. OSP coming back at plus 190. Over under on one and a half rounds. The under one and a half coming in at minus 160. So Vegas is expecting these big boys to get out of there early. I agree with that play. But my play for this fight is just Dom Reyes. However, he can get it at minus 235.
1: So you don't think there's any chance that we're going to see another
0: OSP Von flu choke? No, I think the, <laughs> I think the the Von the Von Saint Prue is done. I think I think Reyes is going to piece this dude up. Uh that's what I'm anticipating okay. anyway. So I think he's a heavy favorite for a reason.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on this one. I so, think OSP uh-huh. goes down. I think his age and his cardio uh, really play a factor in this one. So yeah, I'm with you on Dom Reyes.
0: Yeah, I, I there's that, and I just I think that we've seen the best out of OSP that we're gonna see. I don't I don't see him using his with, like you alluded to with his age. I don't think this is going to be the you know whatever the tipping point fight that where he starts to go and makes the push for uh, a title bid. Even though light heavyweight is really shallow or just maybe waist deep right now. There's not a whole lot. There's kind of a it, it, the waters are muddled at every division that Daniel Cormier steps into. So I think that, um, I think Reyes is going to, is going to get the W here. So that brings us to, this is where things start to get weird, man. This is where things are going to get real weird. (sighs) Tony Ferguson, Anthony Pettis. Um, I'm going to go ahead and side with uh shorty torres and the with the formiga pick. And you know, he's obviously fighting Sergio. And, you know, you heard Jose say he has he has sparred and, you know, had battles with both of these guys. And firsthand knowledge thinks that Formiga is going to get that win. So I like that pick. But that being said, if one pettis loses, the other one has to win is the way it is when these Pettis brothers... I don't know why they always put them on the same card together. I mean, they save money on airfare. I don't know what the deal is, but they always fight on the same card. And if one loses, the other one wins. And if Sergio Pettis loses to Juicy Air Formiga, Anthony Pettis is going to win. Now, that being said, Tony Ferguson, 11-fight win streak. interim lightweight champ, I guess. Um and he's also a huge favorite in this fight, coming in at minus three fifty five for Ferguson. Even though he's been off for a year and he's coming back off a devastating knee injury, they've got him at a at a minus three fifty five. But I still like Pettis. I still like Pettis in this fight. Yeah. Um Pettis is coming in at plus two eighty five. You know, before I go into why I like Pettis, what do you think about this fight?
1: No, I told you earlier in the week, um, I rode with Anthony Pettis when he fought. Um, oh my goodness, what's that clown's name? Michael. Um, yes, Michael Chiesa. Chiesa. Sorry, drew blank. I was just thinking of long curly hair and terrible tattoos. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, I rode with Anthony Pettis in that. Um, I know that you know. In his last eight fights, he's like five and three. Um, ever since he relinquished the title. <clears throat> and he doesn't have the speed and the prowess that he, you know, that his fighting once um, embodied. But um, I think that, I think the value here is in Anthony Pettis. Like you said, Ferg's coming off a year off, coming back from a really nasty knee injury. And when you've got a guy at this kind of value with this kind of pedigree, who has shown what he's capable of in the octagon, I think that it's hard not to go with Anthony Pettis here.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. And and you said the key word there, value. Um, coming in at plus 285, he's got a real chance of winning this fight at plus 285. And there's, you know, th- this fight will go two different, it can go two different ways, right? One is Ferguson continues to fight like Anthony Pettis' kryptonite. He pressures him, he gets him up against the cage, he 30 boxes him, he drags him down, he chokes him out. Which Tony Ferguson, black belt under Eddie Bravo, tenth planet jiu or tenth planet jiu jitsu, can absolutely do those things. The other option, though, the other option is that Tony Ferguson comes back out and he holds his hands low like he always does, and he does that thing where he wants to engage in some weird brawl where he leads face first, and Anthony Pettis pieces him the hell up, rattles him, gets him down on the ground, and chokes him out, or just snuffs him out altogether. And you know let's not forget that leg injury. That will be the leg that Tony Ferguson is walking forward with that is going to be on Pettis's strong side. And that was an outside ligament injury. So when Pettis starts bringing that shin across that leg, it's going to be right in the honey hole, right in the sweet spot where Ferguson got hurt. So, You know, how many of those booming leg kicks that Anthony Pettis throws from time to time is Tony Ferguson going to be willing to eat before he decides he needs to abandon whatever game plan he may have and try to figure something else out? My bet is that it's going to happen in, you know, probably midway through the first round. Uh, you know the over/under on two and a half rounds for this fight. The over is at minus one twenty. I don't know why they think this fight is going to decision. That really doesn't make that much sense to me. These guys both have too high of a propensity for finishing fights for that to be a, a play for me. The under two and a half is coming in at plus one hundred. That's a great value, and Pettis at plus 200, two hundred plus two hundred eighty five is also a great value. Um, you know. To make money, I like Pettis. To make safe money, I like the other under- Okay, so, so now honest, you've talked
1: yourself through it. Um, you've gone through your explanation. Which one are you putting the you know the, the microphone stamp on?
0: Are we going? I'm stamping. I'm stamping. I'm okay. stamping Anthony Pettis. Okay. Yep. Two eighty five. That's the stamp. That's the slip you will see on the Instagram page. That's the that's the stamp. Okay, sorry sorry for my sigh there. Uh, all right,
1: uh, Gronk just dropped the ball and it popped straight up in the air, and the Colts picked it off at the five
0: yard line. So sorry. <laughs> okay, all right. Let's let's rifle through these last ones real quick. Um, Connor Khabib. So this is the moment you know we've all been waiting for the moment of truth, reckoning, however you want to call it, is here. After the most recent press conference that. Khabib left early because Connor showed up late. Connor is now only a plus one thirty. Yeah, I mean, um, God, people are pounding Connor
1: ever since this line
0: came out. Yep. I mean, listen, he's he, look. I, 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 okay, here we're, we're gonna we're gonna walk through this. All right. If Conor McGregor wins, Conor McGregor wins within the first three minutes of the fight, all right? The under two and a half is coming in at minus 125. If you believe that Conor McGregor is going to win, play the under, because he's only going to win in the first three minutes of the fight, okay? If this fight makes it past three minutes, Khabib will win the fight. The over two and a half is coming in at plus 105. That over is going to happen when McGregor quits if he doesn't win within the first three minutes. The things that make Conor McGregor great Spacing, timing, accuracy, power. All of those things got better when he trained for the fight with Floyd Mayweather, okay? However, none of the things that he was deficient in, other than cardio, got any work whatsoever in that time period. I know he says he's been wrestling. He's got Dylan Danis. Dylan Danis is not Khabib Nurmagomedov. I don't care what he says. He's not Islam Makhachev. He's not Khabib uh, you know he he's not Khabib. He's not Khabib's brother. He's not all these crazy, uh, you know, super strong Russian farmers in the hills. Dylan Danis is not that. Besides the fact that Dylan Danis is a is a jujitsu guy, he's not a wrestler. He's not a sambo fighter. That it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. I don't care how much McGregor says he's been drilling these things. If you're not bringing in guys like Jordan Burroughs or. uh What's his guys like that? Ed Ruth, if you're not bringing in big, strong, heavy wrestlers, you're not going to win this fight as far as wrestling goes. McGregor has to use that timing, has to use that awareness, has to use that accuracy, and he has got to hit Khabib early. And in order for that to happen, Khabib has to be willing to stand there and trade with him, which I don't think he should do. I think he should come out and just literally Damian Maya. Dive for an ankle and try to hold on, and then single leg ankle pick him down, and then win the fight is what I think Khabib should do, not what I think he's going to do. Um, that doesn't change my pick though for this fight. You know, this one's tough.
1: Like we we both said, it is our, tough, dude. Uh, you know, it, our mind says one thing, but our guts going with another. Um, I know that we're you know we're going to use your pick, and I know I said this earlier in the week. And I said that my mind, my my mind is telling me, Khabib wins this fight. It it's almost too easy as far as like you said, Connor's deficiencies and Khabib's strengths. But my gut tells me Connor. And I hate when the two are going in polar opposite directions. This is a really tough fight to pick, and that's what makes it the biggest fight of the year because it really could go either way. You know, you're looking at a guy who has just dominated the UFC for a decade on the ground, undefeated. Like, the, Khabib's no joke. I, don't get me wrong. Going up against, you know, the most, arguably the most prolific striker in UFC history, and Conor McGregor. Two opposite ends of the spectrum, a, a, you know, an immovable object and an unstoppable force coming together and this it's god it's such a good fight i'm so excited for saturday go go on with your breakdown i just this is awesome
0: no i'm with you i'm and like i said th- at any other time if it wasn't this fight and people listening to this and if you've made it through the podcast and you're at this point right now you're like dude dale just tell me who you think's going to win because if I'm going to bet I'm just going to bet what you say and I appreciate that but here's the thing is like on any other occasion if I didn't have this podcast if we didn't have this no but we have I wouldn't to touch bet this on
1: fight. it because it is the fight I would that just it is.
0: I would, we have to you're absolutely right we have to you're at, and that's what that's what that's what tears me up is that this is one of the fights as a as a fighting fan I would just by all just be like you know what I'm just going to enjoy it I just can't possibly pick how you were saying gut Connor, head khabib I'm the opposite. I'm head Connor, gut Khabib. Um, you know, ever since everybody was like, oh, if Connor only fights Khabib, if, if Connor would just fight Khabib, you know what? From the time of morning when that happened, I thought in my head, it'd be a bad matchup for Khabib if he couldn't get in there and get a hold of him, man. Connor could really do some damage. I still think that that might happen. Um, I'm going to go with logic, reason, and just general eyeball test here, and I'm gonna go ahead with and I'm gonna go with Khabib. I'm gonna go I like with it.
1: khabib I'm 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 with you, man. Um it has nothing to do with my like or dislike for either one of these fighters. It's just like you said, if Connor doesn't catch him early if Khabib can get his hands on Connor and get Connor's back on the mat, say two minutes into the fight, that's three minutes Connor is going to spend on his back, panicking and trying to not get put to sleep. Whether it's whether it's a choke or ground yeah. and pound, whatever it is, that's three minutes. Connor is going to be exhausted, and that coming out in the second round is going to limit Connor's power. Which is also going to improve Khabib's confidence, you know, in his ability to take him down again. And if Connor, if it does go to the second round, and Connor gets put on his back again in the second round, it's a wrap. He's gonna, his gas tank will be on e, a hundred percent. He's not going to have the power, yeah. to put Khabib to sleep yeah. if he is on his back again in the second round. Um, the public likes Connor. Yeah. That's the way the betting is going. I think that has a lot to do with his overall persona and the image he puts off. It's easy to like a guy like Conor McGregor. Um he is the face of the UFC. So I can I can understand why the public's betting him. I can understand the whole one punch knockout thing. But like you said, I'm going with logic. I'm going with the overall understanding of fighting. I'm going with could be being able to control this fight, I don't know if he wins in a pretty fashion, but I do think he wins this fight.
0: yeah, I'm with you i uh just just two points real quick, one of which is that if Connor wins this fight, he's the biggest star in u f c history there's nobody even close. He, he dwarfs Ronda Rousey in her prime. Or yeah, in her prime. He dwarfs John Jones in his heyday, Anderson Silva, BJ Penn, Matt Hughes, Chuck Liddell. He's, if he wins this fight, he's the biggest star in UFC history. If he isn't already, but you can make arguments for other people, um, he's the biggest star in UFC history if he wins this fight. Real quick, I want to wrap this up. Um, fun prop bets that I, I suggest people play. Bruce Buffer's tie, whether it's going to be a regular tie or a bow tie. Bow tie is coming in at minus 165. Bruce Buffer loves to look fancy. Oh, yeah. for, for a fight to like look this, fancy, bow tie 100%. He, bow tie 100%. There's no way he's going to wear a regular tie to announce this fight. Now, keep in mind, the play is that he has to wear the bow tie when he announces the Khabib versus Conor fight. So, you know, Bruce Buffer, he also changes jackets a lot throughout events if it's a big event. Not only – do not d- get discouraged if you come out and you turn on a TV and he's wearing a regular tie. For the Conor-Khabib fight, he will put on that bow tie. Minus 165. Other one, glove touch before the fight. Minus 140 says no. Absolutely go with that. Press conference today, this line will change. By the time you guys hear this, this may change. At the press conference today, Khabib said he will not shake Conor's hand. He's not going to shake his hand, win, lose, or draw. He's damn sure not going to touch his glove. Minus 140, money to be made there last two prop bets that I like for this fight could be by KO, TKO, or submission at plus 120. This fight will not go the distance. Khabib will win inside the distance if he wins, and at plus 120, that's easy money to be made. Um, You know, just Khabib inside the distance, if it's not by KO, TKO, or sub, um, plus 130. So, also, money to be made. Good opportunities to make some money there.
1: Yeah, I mean... If you're gonna bet Khabib, I agree. You might as you might as well bet him inside the distance too, because yeah, like I said, Connor's gonna be gassed. Uh, yeah, I don't think that once he's on his back, I don't think he's gonna have the uh, the
0: mental fortitude to last the entire fight. No, I don't think so either. I think it's pretty much done deal after that. But all right, well that wraps it up for this man. We're uh, UFC 229 is gonna be the going to be the biggest fight weekend of the year, probably, uh, until we get to like the new year's Eve card and stuff like that. We'll see what happens. So, uh, that's it. That's all I got for this weekend, man. I hope everybody enjoys the interview. I hope everybody has a good, safe weekend. Uh, and you know, like we said before, bet responsibly and make sure to follow us on all our social media accounts. Feel free to join our Patreon page or get those five additional picks. I will be breaking down the entire UFC card as a token of my love and appreciation for all of you guys on the Patreon this week. So join the Patreon, get the uh, get the full the full card breakdown, in addition to five other um, football picks as well. So it's quite the bargain, ten bucks. Uh, so Patreon.com forward slash Fistful of Cash. Feel free to like, subscribe, and review on iTunes. That stuff does help, and it makes us feel good all i got i'll talk to you guys on tuesday good luck everybody
1: as always guys uh clear eyes full fist can't lose